Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 10th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a continued conversation about the 2022 legislative session with two of our favorite statehouse reporters. I take a look at the priorities the governor has in mind for the massive amounts of money lawmakers have to budget with, and we look at what's on tap this week under the Capitol Dome. In business, Dr. Joey Von Nessen gives his take on those low December jobs numbers. And in medical, we hear from Prisma Health doctors on what they're seeing on the front lines and their recommendations for parents and the near-record hospitalizations of children. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these uncertain times. Leave us a one, two, three-minute-long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Whether you're a first-time caller, first-time listener, or a long-time listener, multiple-time caller, leave us your name, a message, where you're calling from, tell us what's going on in your world. We talked to Michael last week. He's part of the Great Resignation. I want to hear some more of those stories. I know plenty of you are out there like that. So give us a call at 803-563-7169. Or maybe you're juggling work, kids, schools, all that stuff since this Omicron wave is just going crazy right now. Let us know how it's affecting you. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is... It's widespread, but I think we need another word for widespread because it's pretty much everywhere. It's ongoing, that's for sure, and it's definitely not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 14,793 total deaths, and currently there are 1,094,226 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 10th at 4 p.m. Just for a quick national perspective, as of Friday, Johns Hopkins said that the United States was averaging 554,328 new cases and 1,238 deaths per day. Now, last week in the state, we shattered an already high record number of cases. We hit 86,639 cases for the week ending Saturday, January 8th. The day itself set a one-day record with 16,630 cases. Despite our increases in cases, death rates, which lag behind, are still much lower than what we saw during the Delta surge in September. And in fact, last week was the second week in a row deaths dropped to 59. Remember, Omicron has been with us since mid-December, but it has so far shown to be milder than Delta. Still, hospitals, primary care clinics, and urgent care clinics are being overwhelmed by COVID cases and the seasonal flu. Our current percent positive is 29.7%. There are 1,679 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 314 are in intensive care, and 152 are on ventilators. Right now, 52.3% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Okay, so lawmakers return to Columbia for the final year of the two-year session on Tuesday, and they come back every week for three days of committee meetings, floor debates, votes, and more until mid-May. So let's pick up where we left off with Statehouse reporters Jeffrey Collins of the Associated Press and Joe Bustos of the State Newspaper, both of whom I spoke with on This Week in South Carolina. 
Let's look at some of the bills that moved last year, like medical marijuana and hate crimes legislation, and where they could go. Here's Joe Bustos leading us off by talking about what the new House district map means for some lawmakers. Well, there's one there's one thing to keep in mind that's 14 state lawmakers have been drawn into districts with other <laughs> incumbents. So mm. they will be setting up potential primaries. So it's 10 representatives and four senators. Now, uh, as, as it comes to the House map, analysts have predicted five Democratic seats could flip red in the next election uh, if these maps hold up. So that could make the House even more conservative, more Republican. Uh, we won't see the effect of the Senate changes just yet. Again, they're not up for re-election until 2024. But if demographic trends continue, it could be Republicans adding potentially two more seats to their majority. Interesting. But Jeffrey, the real controversy, the big fight right now is over the congressional district map that is still in flux. We see the, the Senate working on one version, the House working on another version. House is set to pass a new one in their committees on Monday. Tell us where the fight is over that, where the big sticking points are, and what we can expect going forward. Ultimately, the biggest sticking point is the first district. That's the district that Nancy Mace currently represents that stretches from Hilton Head up through Charleston. And, um, you know, back in 2018, Joe Cunningham, as a Democrat, won that seat. And so it was the first time that a congressional seat flipped from a Republican to a Democrat in South Carolina in well over 30 years. So um, there's some thought that Republicans that get to draw the maps because they're in the majority in the legislature want to... Uh, prevent that from happening again in the first district. So there are uh, the maps that have been proposed in the Senate and then the most recent one proposed in the House would draw some uh, black voters, would pull them out of the first district and put them in the sixth district, which is Jim Clyburn's district, mm -hmm. which is the majority minority district in South Carolina. And to do that, they have to take uh, voters out of the Columbia area and out of the Charleston area. So you have this this uh, oddly shaped district that stretches you know, more than 100 miles between the two cities trying to get in all these African-American voters. And so the, the problem is that, as several people have said to complain about the maps, is you know it takes North Charleston out of that first district. So North Charleston and Charleston are in a different district, while parts of Charleston and Columbia are in the same district. And if you're trying to keep neighborhoods with the same kind of uh, ideas <laughs> together, it makes a lot more sense to have Charleston and North Charleston together. So mm -hmm. um, that and talk about the deadline. You know, once again, we have the same mid-March filing deadline and they haven't even sent the maps to the floor yet in the House and the Senate hasn't passed its version of the congressional map. So that's even got a bigger TikTok waiting on us. Jeffrey, we've talked about a, a big bill that passed the House last year dealing with hate crimes, hate crime legislation uh, that made it to the Senate. Um, probably it was right at the end of the session, I believe, right in May. Uh, where, where do you think that's going to head going forward in this session? going to be a lot of pressure put on the Senate to pass that bill. Um, South Carolina and Wyoming are right now the only states in America that do not have a hate, their own state-level hate crime law. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of businesses, especially businesses with a national presence, that are urging South Carolina to pass it. So, you know, we join the rest of the country in having that kind of legislation. The question is, is you know, I, I think it has a pretty good shot at the Senate. I think it's hardest hurdle to to climb over was the more conservative people in the House. The arguments against it are a crime is a crime. No matter what happens, it's a crime, whether it was done because of a hateful motive or not. The argument back the other direction is, well, you know, some crimes are just 
hurt society more. Like when certain groups are targeted, that's actually hurt society and society needs to say this is wrong to target somebody because of these reasons. Ultimately, I think that does get out, but there may be a couple of days worth of fight and it may be a little, maybe one of those votes where we're very carefully tallying each one as they're called out. Yeah, and we saw the Chamber of Commerce back that bill as well. And yeah. who wants to be the last state in the nation uh, not to have something like that on the books, even if it is redundant, like some of these are arguing. Joe, with two minutes left, do we see any more gun restrictions or I guess loosening of gun restrictions happening ever since we saw the open carry with training bill pass? We'll see. I mean, there is a constitutional carry bill that passed the House that's in the Senate right now. Uh, when they passed, when the Senate passed the, the open carry with training bill, they tried to attach the constitutional carry to that. The Senate rejected that amendment. So if constitutional carry gets another vote in the Senate, it may have a tough hill to climb. Mm -hmm. And just really quick last minute predictions I want to hear. <laughs> Jeffrey, uh, what are you expecting? Anything big? Medical marijuana moving forward? It's on the Senate calendar. Uh, anything that we can maybe be looking forward to? Maybe a new state flag? On the, on the Senate side, yeah, medical marijuana is supposed to be queued up one of the first things they debate during this session. That was a promise made to Tom Davis. So I think there will be a debate whether it get passed. Uh, that's tough to say. I, I think you probably probably ought to look against it still. It's got a lot of powerful opponents. Um, on the House side, I'm interested to see the conservative bent of the House. There's a there's a group of conservative lawmakers that are much more conservative than the leadership, and they have want, they've liked to raise their voice sometimes. That's why we ended up getting this vaccine debate in the special session and some other things. So I'm interested to see how much power they yield and how much they control the agenda this session with things like uh, the transgender sports bills, things like that. You can catch that full episode and more content on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Well, like we talked about with Jeffrey and Joe before, we were waiting for the governor to roll out his executive budget to get an idea of what spending priorities will take shape this session, and he did that on Monday. A note, this is just a proposal. Lawmakers craft and approve the budget during session. They don't have to follow his recommendations at all, but like we've seen over the past few years, the final version tends to align somewhat to what he has proposed. This year, the governor is proposing a major overhaul to the biggest portion of the budget, education. He wants to see the funding formula revamped, which in turn, he says, will simplify spending. The 44-year-old funding system is archaic and complicated. It is piecemeal and must be transformed if our state is to meet the educational needs of our children. To achieve these objectives, the system by which we fund K-4 education must be simplified and must, be, and must focus on greater accountability. It must be understandable. It must be a system where the state funds follow students directly to the classroom. The system must also clearly hold districts, school districts, accountable for both how the state funds are spent and the results of the taxpayer's investment. With $6 billion in additional revenue, much of it one-time dollars, and $2.5 billion of it in federal money, McMaster wants to put half a billion into the state's rainy day fund, essentially doubling it. But he also wants to spend big on infrastructure, dedicating $500 million to roads and bridges, $150 million for economic development infrastructure, $300 million to complete an intermodal facility for the ports in Charleston, and $300 million for broadband connectivity that, along with federal funds, will close the gap in the state. Our booming economy and rock rapid population growth have outpaced the state's ability to keep up with improvements to our transportation infrastructure. 
utilizing a combination of $660 million in federal ARPA funds and $600 million from surplus revenue available in the state budget, I am recommending that the General Assembly provide no less than $1.26 billion to the Department of Transportation to accelerate construction, expansion, or improvements to our state-owned roads, bridges, highways, and interstates. This is a one-time investment of over a billion dollars which will allow the South Carolina Department of Transportation to accelerate and start the completion of some of the highest priority projects in the state. Projects such as widening Interstate 26 to six lanes between Columbia and Charleston, the widening of Interstate 95 to six lanes in the Low Country, and additional lane widening on Interstate 85 in the Upstate. In addition, in addition, with a recurring appropriation of $100 million of the $600 million included in my executive budget, the Department of Transportation will have sufficient state matching funds to apply for an additional $250 million in federal funds each year from the Federal Infrastructure and Jobs Act for the next five years. That's the one that just passed in November. These federal matching funds will allow the South Carolina Department of Transportation to expedite completion of local and regional projects designed to relieve traffic congestion, to repair or replace over 400 bridges, and to enhance repaving and resurfacing of our local and secondary roads. McMaster also proposes raising starting teacher pay by $2,000 to $38,000. He wants to give state employees a 2% pay raise and cover increasing benefits costs. He proposes pay raises for law enforcement and retention bonuses for school bus drivers and starting the electrification of the school bus fleet. The governor also splits $20 million to address the nursing shortage with salary increases and tuition reimbursement for those enrolled in graduate level courses to become instructors. And he puts $180 million to deferred maintenance at tech schools, colleges, and universities while continuing the tuition freeze program. Tax reforms will also be something lawmakers will likely look at, especially as it tops the priority list for the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce. Governor McMaster also proposed increased transparency efforts in how money is spent, especially earmarks or pet projects, which lawmakers approve. He then subsequently vetoes them, and then they're overridden by lawmakers. But details still remain scant in the whole process. McMaster has done all he can do with executive orders to have agencies report that spending, but he wants a competitive grant process instead. He also wants stronger ethics enforcement and proposes doubling the State Ethics Commission budget with an additional $1.7 million annually, as well as ethics training for all sheriffs, since AP reports that since 2010, 13 sheriffs have been convicted of crimes. To maintain the public's confidence in their elected representatives at all levels of government, we must expand the resources and authority of the State Ethics Commission and the Office of the Inspector General. Anyone who's paid to influence decisions by any county, municipal, or school board official must be required to publicly register with the State Ethics Commission as a lobbyist, just like persons who lobby here with the state legislature. McMaster also continued to outline his plans for the $2.5 billion in American Rescue Plan dollars that lawmakers have to appropriate. Remember, only congressional Democrats approved the massive COVID stimulus bill last March. Now, McMaster is not in Congress, but he's also not crazy about federal spending. 
However, that's not stopping him from pushing his priorities on how to dole out this money, including $660 million for major transportation projects, $500 million for rural infrastructure, and $124 million for workforce training grants at technical schools, as well as additional proposals he floated on Monday. With, with these funds that are here now, uh, and, and this is a lot of money coming from the federal coffers that, of course, ultimately comes out of our pockets. We have to pay this money back. We have to be careful that we spend it on the right things. But the good news is, because of the way that our people responded to the, the pandemic, we did not close, we were careful, we were measured. We are not digging out like they are in a lot of other states. So we have opportunities that they don't have. So again, the governor crafts his budget with assistance from the executive budget office, which receives funding requests from state agencies in the fall. The new fiscal year starts July 1st, which will be here before you know it, folks. Now, it was a busy Monday with the House Ad Hoc Committee and House Judiciary Committee taking up the new congressional district maps. These meetings took place later on Monday, so I can't definitively tell you what happened, but they did kick off a very busy week in Columbia, with lawmakers returning on Tuesday. We're back. Okay, so we had those December jobs numbers last week, 199,000 that were added, that economists weren't too thrilled about, even though the unemployment rate fell to 3.9%. But Dr. Joey Von Nessen, a research economist at the USC Darlamore School of Business, had some takeaways, including on the Great Resignation. In an email, Von Nessen says it is important to recognize that the Great Resignation is a result of the tight labor market, not the cause of it. That's because employers are struggling to fill positions, employees are realizing they have more negotiating power, and many of these workers are seeking new opportunities, often with higher pay and or better benefits, like we heard from Michael in Mount Pleasant in our last episode. As for what's next, Von Nessen said the widespread labor shortages coupled with labor disruptions resulting from the spread of the Omicron variant suggests that the U.S. will see positive but more muted employment growth during early 2022. And on Wednesday, we'll get a look at new inflation data, which economists expect will top 7% year-over-year for December. If that holds true, the monthly consumer price index will reach a level unseen since 1982. Prisma Health officials gave an overview of what they're seeing at their hospitals, the challenges they're facing with staffing and supplies, a near record level of children being hospitalized, and continued issues with people seeking tests at ERs. Prisma's incident commander, Dr. Stephen Shelton, gave this update. We've also been asked about capacity as well as our team members. How are we doing with those? We're confident that our capacity is good, but we are concerned about staffing. It is quite a challenge. The Omicron variant is extremely contagious. And as you can imagine, it is spreading not only in the communities, but that does impact our team members. And we're actively involved in that. Prisma Health has the size and scale to be able to respond to that and take the resources we need to manage that. We have done a number of things. 
Those are to update the PPE and make sure that we're providing the best protection for our team members while they're providing that care. Also, we've enhanced some of our testing to make sure that we're adequately and efficiently testing our team members who may have exposures or have developed symptoms to make sure we can either remove them from work or efficiently return them back to work uh, in a timely manner. So we are working on this in dedication to make sure we're staying on top of this. Dr. Shelton said that the surge has not peaked yet and that 80% of the individuals recently hospitalized with COVID have not been vaccinated. Many of those hospitalizations are people who have high risk factors as well that make them more prone to suffer severe illness from COVID-19, something the vaccine would limit. Shelton said people continue to choke up ERs with requests for COVID tests, despite locations statewide listed on DHEC's website. Yes, those testing sites are also busy, but they're also not treating a multitude of other patients. We strongly encourage individuals to use those resources instead of coming to our emergency departments, which are already extremely busy. We're seeing an increase in flu cases, taking care of the very sick COVID, as well as our normal emergencies, such as strokes, heart attacks, and major trauma events. So please make sure that the individuals that need to provide care are not limited by individuals that are there purely for a COVID testing site. Another resource is in short supply, monoclonal antibodies, which are effective in fighting Omicron. If you're relying on treatment measures instead of preventative measures like the vaccine to save you, then be prepared for your request to be triaged. The monoclonal antibodies were a major treatment source for us. And unfortunately, the two primary treatments that we were using are no longer effective against this variant. There is currently only one monoclonal antibody that is effective against the Omicron variant, and it is in very short supply. So, Prisma Health is following the National Institute of Health guidelines as far as uh, the use of scarce resources. We are following specifically tiered systems to make sure we're providing the limited amount of monoclonal antibodies to those highest risk individuals who are most likely to develop severe COVID as well as to require hospitalization. Dr. Kaufman-Taylor, who is the medical director at Prisma Health's Midlands Children's Hospital, said the hospital has seen a near record number of patients with COVID-19. Dr. Taylor says despite the high COVID numbers, the multi-system inflammatory condition, known as MIS-C, that some children also experience, is lagging behind. Here in the Midlands, we yesterday had an inpatient capacity of about 86%, and our PICU was at 93%. At that time, we had two children in the hospital who were in an intensive care unit, and today we have three. Um, We do not have any MISC cases at this time. That's that multi-inflammatory syndrome that follows COVID. Um, That typically follows several weeks after the initial surge of COVID. So we expect that to happen as well. Um, The good news, if there is any flu so far, has not been as prevalent in the community here in the Midlands. And so far uh, yesterday, we only had one or two children in the hospital with complications from the flu. As Dr. Shelton said earlier, most of the people in the hospital and certainly most of the children in the hospital are unvaccinated. Yesterday of the 37 children in the children's hospitals of South Carolina, only one of those children were fully vaccinated. But the big question continues to be about schools and children attending them in person as the state sees case records unlike any they've seen before and testing capacity limiting our view of the contagious variant spread. The best way to ensure kids can go to school is by getting them vaccinated, Dr. Taylor said, especially now that they're eligible for booster shots. There has been a lot of effects on our children that 
are not only anxiety disorders, depression, increased suicide, increased child abuse and neglect from failure to attend schools. So I think we as physicians and we as pediatricians support attending schools, but there's always you have to look at individual situations. And that's why we're so strongly advocating vaccination, um, because we believe that is a tool and a safe way to attend schools. Um, You do have to look at individual children sometimes and their risk factors, and that should be discussed with their physician. But I think we need to use the tools that we have available to keep kids in schools. But again, you always sometimes have to look at the uniqueness of the situation. Is a community outbreak five times higher than the average in South Carolina? Have you lost so many teachers to that? So far, only 8.2% of eligible 5 to 11-year-olds in the state have been fully vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Talk to us about this Omicron wave, the surge. It's everywhere. You heard our numbers at the top. I think it's even getting its way into our wind down section, which we like to take a break from. (laughs) But we know it's impacting you. It's inescapable. Yeah, we can't escape it. Uh, We also want to hear about you if you've been part of the Great Resignation. We love hearing these interesting stories about how the pandemic is shifting everyday life. And you can tell us at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and just a little message. So, A.T., what are we— Just a little message. Just a little message. One to three minutes. (laughs) As a treat. A little little, little message as a treat. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, we got one. Okay? We got one. We got one. OG listener right here. Great friend of the pod. So happy he called back in. Uh, So, I mean, let's get to it, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know (laughs) what? Yeah. Do it. Okay. (laughs) Hey, guys. It's your friendly neighborhood Trader Joe and his uh, lovely Trader Meredith girlfriend. Uh, Yes, she's looking at me weird now. Um, We are just now returning to Massachusetts from a two-week visit to South Carolina where we were very careful to uh, make sure we didn't hang out with that many people and we hung out with people outside and we're getting tested on our way back waiting for results now just in case because we're trying to be smart. But uh, the way it looks now, we're all going to get it. Uh, We should all get commemorative tattoos. Um, Just wanted to say hello, let you guys know that South Carolina was great and warm wonderful. And now we're back in Massachusetts where it's supposed to snow the day after tomorrow and never get like above 40 degrees. So, um, you know, thanks for the memories and just wanted to wish you guys uh, happy holidays. Let you know I didn't forget about you, even though over the holidays you uh, tend to forget about us. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys are well. Hopefully you watched Don't Look Up by now and y'all talk about it on this episode because we loved it. We watched it with Meredith's family and it was awesome. But uh, anyways, you guys have a great day and we'll catch you on the next time I call. Trader Joe, it's always a treat to hear from you. Uh, I'm happy to hear that you had a nice visit to South Carolina and got some warmth. Also super happy that you got back safely to Massachusetts and didn't get caught in that I-95 traffic snarl. You know, that that could have... Oh, just a boondoggle. That's a boondoggle. That is what you call a boondoggle. 
But uh, and then that little dig at the end there. Real dig. <laughs> Gavin, they don't believe that we Listen. deserve uh, a time, any time off. Listen, you guys were on my mind every day. Oh, yeah. I just time. I just like knowing that Trader Joe's out there somewhere thinking of me because I'm yes. always thinking of him. I went to Trader Joe's recently. Oh, yeah? Um, I was trying to get some smoked trout in the tin. You know, I love my tin fish You, you love days. anything in a tin. And uh, they did not have it, so I had to get more anchovies and Mamma Mia, salty time. I love anchovies. Oh, yeah. yeah. So good. good. So, uh, Trader Joe, I was thinking of you when I was at Trader Joe's. and um, I would love to get a commemorative tattoo with Trader Joe's. You know, I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any plans to get any tattoos. I don't know if I want to remember this, but I do under- <laughs> I know what he's talking about there. I know it's like, at this point, it's just like... I don't oof. have any tattoos, Gavin. I think you, me, Trader Joe, going in, full back pieces. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like, just one giant big coronavirus Full back, full cell. back piece. Yeah, exactly little, right. Little, Things sticking out. Ugh, it's ugh, what an ugly looking thing. Right? Ivermectin, lol. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the paste. <laughs> ugh, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get a tattoo. Something big would have to happen. I would have to cover up a scar or something. I don't know. I would get Call it about your tattoos. I, I, I do get, like to see ugly tattoos and bad tattoos. They give me life when I see my them. My friend Jason, who've you, who you've met, he has uh, a tramp stamp on Oof. the front and the back. Ah. Yeah, it's great. It's wow. really good. I don't. Uh, what can I can I ask what they look like? They're they like um like tribal sons. Interesting. Yeah, it was from a different time. He now has like time. very uh classic looking tattoos, you know, like ships and stuff like mm, that and okay. goblets and and skulls with daggers and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I think him in the 90s. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, yeah, okay. That's my, that's where it's coming from. Well, my fraternal twin brother, Colin, does have the tattoos, you see. Yeah. Started off with the shamrock. Ugh. Even though, Ugh. And then it, the Ugh. Celtic knot. And then Are you Irish? Two. We're Irish enough, but I won't go that far. I don't know. I didn't. I don't I mean, peg you as that Irish. My, I mean, I'm not that Irish, but, our, you know, my grandmother twin is Irish. Is yeah, very, like, he's so. sweet, serious bro. I think we're more of a Scottish, Irish, you know, French, German type thing. So mm, mm, mm. I, Way I like, different. You just can really just play up whatever I want to. <laughs> but, yeah, they just not my thing because I just don't have anything. You know, I'm not. What do I need to put on my body permanently? A podcast microphone. Yeah, and then what happens if I'm no longer podcasting? And it just mocks me Never going to happen. A, Never going to happen. A little microphone right under my, my On-air neck. sign. Right under my <laughs> That's where you get it? Okay. I would get yeah, a, Lord, like, I would like get a Lord of the Rings. I would get a Lord of the Rings right, tattoo. We talked about this. Yeah, you have I? One. You might get one. I think we've talked about it. We have. I off would. air yeah. because it's been so controversial. Uh, but uh, <laughs> because of <laughs> uh, Trader Joe uh, throwing down the yeah. gauntlet there and uh, my wife's slow uptake of pop culture, I it was the just the impetus I needed to watch Don't Look Up last night. And uh I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. They, um, it, it really is so uncomfortable. Oh yeah. I think that's why people are like, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was gonna be. It's like that's I think I what th- the visceral reaction. Well a lot of, it's been like some mixed reviews for some people. I think they wanted it I don't to be get, something different. I don't get the mixed review. I thought it was an enjoyable thing. It if a, a little heavy handed, sure. That might be what it is. But it's a movie. It's a movie. Who was like, your favorite character? Who was my favorite character? I don't know. There were different oh, things. Oh, that's not that an I answer. Liked. I want an answer. My favorite character was the the fake Steve Jobs type guy. <laughs> you know? What? Oh was, God, he's the cringiest one. But like I the weird. Kate Blanchett was my yeah. favorite. Kate Blanchett. I mean, I have Lady Galadriel, and I have yeah. two Monets. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was uh, the the warning before the. The tech guy came out, and they were like, "Do not look into his eye life." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the little kid asked to speak, and he just says, "No, no." 
And um, yeah, like those kind of funny things. And like Meryl Streep, I mean, my God, she just as, crushed it. And the, the pictures they show of her on her desk with like yeah. Mariah Carey, like the close-ups are just so, so funny. And like it was jarring this movie though. Like, it was a little, it was a little it real. Just kept <laughs> a little real in some ways. More and more uncomfortable. Yeah, which I enjoy. My mm-hmm. Caitlin hated. She was doing a puzzle. So that's she what I'm could, saying. Some people, I think, out. had her her kind of reaction. Yeah. I watch it with my mother, and she's like, mm. <laughs> she wasn't as thrilled by it. But. I think Jonah Hill was hilarious too, and I loved oh, God, how yeah. hung up uh, Jennifer Lawrence was on the ten dollars, yeah. <laughs> like charging them for the I, stuff. And like when why, you're, but why would he do two it? Two hours into this movie, and it happened in the first ten minutes, and mm-hmm. she's still talking about it. I was like, I like this. Yeah, yeah. this is great. I I loved I loved I loved that part, and I liked Chalamet. Chalamet, oh my. I want to buy Who these, please. just wasn't <laughs> acting. Yeah, it was just being like, but you know that those characters, you know all these characters so well. Stacked cast. Yeah. Absolutely stacked. Very, very fun, enjoyable. Watch it. Check it out. Don't look up. I mean, the whole thing about, like, <laughs> having the alternate campaign, the don't look up campaign Against to the look, the look up, up, and then they see it's oh like, it's it's God. coming to kill you. Like, what more do you need? It's and there. do you think that we'd have, do you think that would happen? Do you think that they would try and mind this thing that was trying to kill us instead of deflecting it. I I, I know I, that I, I know that I there be the have been plans to mine asteroids. Sure. Like aspirational plans and stuff. But I don't think that mm-hmm. um they it would go quite like that. Can can we and even better, let's draw that with Armageddon. Yeah. The most recent historical nonfiction portrayal. Documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary. <laughs> it's a documentary. You know, they don't teach that in schools, and that's what we need to be talking about, is God. teaching facts. Real American Armageddon history. Mirror, real American story. history. Yeah. Every time I see Armageddon on, I'm always, I'm always tempted to tweet, ugh, unbelievable, unbelievable action by those heroes who saved our planet. <laughs> you know, the true story that no one talks about, but then I'm scared that people are going to be like, they, no one gets humor anymore on Twitter, especially. No. You can't make a joke Everything's like that. Everything's true. Everything's This guy serious. believes that Armageddon was real? No, that you know that would be the case. So, I, everything's I, real. Thank you, social media. I had the same reaction upon first watching it in, what, 98 mm-hmm. or something, that I saw a tweet of this, too. As a kid, I thought this. And they made the miners astronauts. And I immediately was like, why didn't they teach astronauts how to mine. <laughs> they could do it. I mean, they're smart enough to do it. Astronauts are smart, you Super know? Smart. Like, they could figure it out, you know? I, uh, so that was my biggest thing with it, but also, like, totally cool. You know? We need Robert every day. Duvall. <laughs> but just, like, don't look up. We need a hero. <laughs> yeah, it is Hellboy. <laughs> he has an incredible body. Different what time. An incredible Different body. time. <laughs> Different time. Yeah. All, there's so many fun little, little nuggets in there and, like, little just offhanded things that catch you, like you're saying, and... Uh, it's really funny. Check it out. Don't look up. Let us know what you thought about it. Uh, let us know what you think about anything that's on your mind right now. 803-563-7669. Oh, yeah. Gavin wants to know your your little story. Just a little tell. story as a treat. <laughs> yeah. Give us a treat. <laughs> this is secret. No one listens to this. So <laughs> Everyone skips past this part. Everyone skips, so it's all good. So, but anyway, uh, Gavin, yeah. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. I d- Eagles made <laughs> I did. the playoffs by yeah. losing intentionally. It was great. Okay? I love how that works. It's like capitalism. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. You know. We all have Cayman Island accounts. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. don't, you know, don't earn any money so you don't have to declare anything you don't have to pay your taxes no big deal no big deal anyway uh take it out guys <laughs> yeah let us know if you have any tax questions i'm uh <laughs> technically not licensed in the state as a tax preparer not but on I can, land yeah not not on, not on land. land just maritime yeah. so uh, if, if, if you're on a boat gavin's the guy if you have any complex tax structure tax shelter questions i can definitely address those 803-563-7169 you can also leave us a 
wonderful review on iTunes. We love those. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I like what you're doing. Oh, hey, that's great, neighbor. You know what? I like this new Gavin. What can I do you for? (laughs) He keeps asking me what he can do me for, (laughs) and uh, I love that. What can I do you for?